following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika, sports leader. Happy Thursday, everybody. Hope you're all doing well on this sunny and beautiful Thursday afternoon here in the Auburn Opelika area, December 15th, 2022. Look, I'm wearing shorts today. Most people probably aren't, but I am because I, I am think too. it's... Oh, yeah, you are wearing shorts today. Good for you. You I'm think so you're proud. special or something? No, I'm so proud. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. It is a beautiful day here in the Auburn Opelika area. A little bit bit of a breeze sun is shining and after the rain we had yesterday and last night it is a beautiful sight to see with the sun shining i was out christmas shopping last night a little bit uh and it was absolutely flooding last night and i said all right i'm done i was out i was i was fighting the rain a little bit and then once it started pouring, like really coming down, I just gave in and went home and, and started watching the recording of the Auburn basketball game. So I didn't catch it live. I did see the game, though. We'll get into that in just a second. But, hey, phone lines are open today, 334-321-1390 is the number to put you through to us. Here's kind of what's on tap for the show today. We're going to start with Auburn basketball. Of course, they played Georgia State last night. They're going out west this weekend and next week. We'll talk about all of that coming up in just a few minutes. We'll obviously talk about some updates with Auburn football. Uh, there's a coach that is no longer uh, with the team, with the program. We'll talk about that a little bit. We'll talk about the recruiting and transfer portal updates as well. Then in hour number two, we'll kind of do touch on that stuff again. And then we'll talk with Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast. Uh, we talk to him every Thursday at 3.30. So looking forward to seeing what he has to say about everything going on with Auburn, with recruiting, with the transfer portal around the SCC and we'll get into all of that with Chris Gordy at 3 30 so that's what's on tap for you today again phone lines are open until we talk to Chris though 334-321-1390 your thoughts about Auburn basketball last night uh, if you were you impressed are you still worried how do you feel about the west coast trip coming up for Auburn basketball we'd love to hear from you if you want to call in talk about football we'd love to talk to you about that as well again the number to put you through to us call in be a part of the show be on the line 334 334- 321-1390. But let's start talking about this game last night, Carter. Auburn, uh, they play over at Neville Arena. They play Georgia State. They were losing at halftime, but they do end up coming back and winning this thing 72-64 to over Georgia State. They improved to 9-1 and overall on the season. What'd you see? What'd you like? What'd you not like? Oh, I hated the first half. I hated that, that first half. That was tough to watch. Auburn hit 7 Field goals in the first half. Horrible. Just seven. The I mean, and it's not even like they got to the line a bunch. They went they were uh or well no, they they, they did get to the in the first half the they did, yeah. Sorry, I was looking at the wrong column. But yeah, they, they were they were thirteen of nineteen at the line. So, so you got to the line nineteen times. That's the only reason why you were semi in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh because you're getting outplayed. You were getting absolutely outplayed in the first half. 
You got out-rebounded by a smaller Georgia State team in that first half. Uh, I mean, they won almost every statistical category besides blocks and steals uh, in the first half, and then obviously free throw attempts. Um, Auburn did not shoot the three well early, one of six to Georgia State. Georgia State, who was a not a not a very good three point shooting team, was four of eight at half from deep. Um, I they looked like the better team in the first half, absolutely. And then, thankfully, in the second half. Auburn woke up, and I think a lot of that is the the energy boost, the shot in the arm that Trey Donaldson was, uh, that Jalen Williams was. Those two guys I thought were key. Jalen Williams with 13 second-half points. Trey Donaldson with five, but his five felt enormous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you look at it, and you you just talked about Jalen Williams. He had 20 points, 8 of 11 shooting, 2 for 2 from the line. He is your leading scorer. I'll get into that in just a second, but to continue sort of looking at the overall stats of this game last night, Auburn wins 72-64 to 64 over Georgia State. Auburn does end up shooting 51% from because the field. you shot 66.7% in the second half. Yeah, exactly. They, they, <laughs> they, for this team, they absolutely caught fire in the second half. Uh, they made the game look better overall. The first half and second half were completely different. Uh, defense was decent right I mean you gave up 64 to Georgia State which is fine that's plenty I mean that's good enough for you to get it done but they only score 72 is Auburn so yes yes you win yes the defense only gave up 64 but if you don't get hot hot in the second half there's a really good chance you lose this basketball game absolutely and something that is becoming an alarming trend right now Auburn is getting out-rebounded by teams like Memphis. You can make an argument Memphis was athletically right there with Auburn. Georgia State's not. But you know what it is. you got out-rebounded by nine. It's a lack of effort. And I hate to say that, but it is. You can watch Auburn play, and the guys get caught ball-watching bad. Like, really, really bad at times where they just get caught ball-watching and just see it if the shot's going to go in or not. They don't put a body on anybody. They don't go after the basketball. They just hope it's going to come off the rim and fall into their hands. And Auburn is getting out-rebounded, like you said, by teams that should not be out-rebounding them. In the game last night, they get out-rebounded by 9, 35-26. Only seven offensive rebounds for this Auburn team. Georgia State had 15 offensive rebounds. So that is not what Auburn does. You are too big and supposedly too physical to be out-rebounded by nine to a 5-5 five and five Georgia State team. You had 43 minutes on the court by Chris Moore, Dylan Cardwell, and Yoan Traor, and they got three total rebounds, and they all were Dylan Cardwells. That's that's the, not okay. Chris Moore is too strong. Yoan Traor is 6 daggum 10, 6 daggum 11. Mm-hmm. Dylan Cardwell's too big, too strong for that group to only get three boards. Right. I, I'm with you. I'm absolutely with you. And again, I think it's not a lack of knowledge. It's not a lack of physicality that they can't be that physical. I think there's times where they just don't care about going after there's, the basketball. There's not a scenario on this planet right now where in a given game, I don't care what the minutes are really. Dylan Cardwell should never have the same amount of rebounds as Wendell Green. Perfectly put. The the basically the tallest player on the court, the tallest and strongest player on the court, and then the shortest player on the court should not have the same rebounds on a game. 
And that's all you need to know is that right there. And that's exactly right. And that is a problem for Auburn. You're giving teams extra possessions. That's what rebounds become. That rebounds 15, are extra 15 possessions. offensive rebounds in the, uh, in the game. Nine of those came in the second half. Auburn only had seven for the game, I believe. Do you have a stat on how many points they scored? Like second chance points? Do you have that pulled up? Second chance points. They only had 15 second chance points. All I, that's the one thing I will say. These last two games... Memphis and Georgia State have done such a great job on the offensive glass mm-hmm. getting the rebounds, but then Auburn has done a really good job for the amount of offensive rebounds there have been limiting those second-chance points because I don't think it was that drastic uh, when Auburn played Memphis. I don't I'll think it was it either. Up. I don't think but, it but, was. I mean, Memphis killed Auburn on the, right. on the glass. But while you find that, here's what's, here's what's so tough about offensive rebounds is when Auburn on defense, when you give up that offensive rebound – on average, you've already been playing defense for 15 to 20 seconds. Let's go ahead and just say 20 seconds, right? If you give up that offensive rebound, the shot clock resets to – it's not a full shot clock. I think it resets to 15, if I remember correctly. I think it's 20. Is it 20? Okay. It's 20. Okay. So you play defense for 20 seconds, right? You give up the offensive rebound. You're going to play defense for another 15, 20 seconds. You're looking at 35 to 40 seconds of solid, straight-up defense nonstop. Auburn's defense is good, but having to play on one possession defensively that long, you're going to get burned and you're going to get yeah. beat because you're not you're not supposed to play defense that long. So that's why offensive rebounds and giving up offensive rebounds is so tough. And sure, Memphis and Georgia State may not have made Auburn pay for it, but I promise you teams like Alabama will because you know what? The best shot off of an offensive rebound is a three-point shot. Because you're more than likely going to be wide open because guys are running down the floor, they're scrambling, doing whatever. And that's why uh, guys like Jimmy Dykes from ESPN, he always says the best time for a three-point shot is off an offensive rebound. And if Auburn continues to give up this many and they do it to teams like Alabama, Arkansas, Kentucky, they're going to kick it out and bury a three in your face and they're not going to look back. So so credit to Auburn against Memphis uh, in the first half. The offensive rebound numbers were nine to one in Memphis's favor in the Jeez. second half. They were ten to five, uh, I believe, in Auburn's favor. So Auburn was able to even that out some. They got out rebounded by three mm-hmm. in that game on the offensive glass, and as a result, Memphis had eleven second chance points to Auburn's nine in this game last night. Uh, Georgia State had fifteen second chance points to Auburn's eleven, okay. despite Georgia State having eight more offensive re- rebounds well and and like you said it seems like they may be giving up those offensive rebounds but at least they're recovering and not giving up a ton of points off of them so that's a good start but I'm just saying when you start doing that against better teams you're going to get burned more often so for Auburn again looking at some of the stats from their win last night what do you think about their win over Georgia State we'd love to hear from you 334-321-1390 they shoot 51 percent from the field we talked about the first half and second half differentials there from the three still really poor they shoot 25 percent three of 12 I'm glad they didn't shoot 30 of them right you're good you're glad to see that uh they did shoot 25 percent 19 of 30 from the free throw line that's good for 63 percent not great as a team but uh also not horrible right so i mean especially with some of the bigs on this team who have been sort of streaky free throw shooters uh again we just talked about the rebounds a little bit assists you know you got 12 of them okay not too bad you did force 16 turnovers to their 11 so you did win the turnover battle which is 
good. And Auburn didn't foul a ton, which is also good to see as well. But there's no doubt this was a tale of two halves in this game against Georgia State last night. Let's get to the phone lines, 334-321-1390. Andy, you're on the line. Welcome in. Hey, where are you going? Hey, man, how are you? Good. Hey, I was at the game last night, and um, I'll talk about that in a second. Yeah. But I was doing a little, I was doing a little research. I like to uh, <clears throat> to play with a little gambling, and everything I read on Georgia State was that they were they were if they played a bad team, they would lose. Mm-hmm. And, and um, I just felt with our loss, our previous loss, they'd come out fired up. So took the family, got to sit down in the in the holiday bleachers. You know, good time. Oh, down and, where the students uh, normally sit. Right. Yeah. And uh, right by Pearl and mm-hmm. and uh, all the coaches. And um, I told them, hey, you know, we're gonna we're gonna kill this team. We're not gonna let this team score. And in the beginning, we didn't. And uh, I mean, it was still like four to four. <laughs> we weren't scoring either. <laughs> right. And then and then they put in two threes back to back. And um, I knew my money was gone right there. Just like you said, uh, they weren't fired up. Now and then I heard Coach Pearl, you know, yelling at his players like. Can anyone on my team shoot? Does anyone want to go make a shot? So, yeah, you know, it, 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 that's a legitimate question, Andy. It's something we've talked about for the last couple of weeks, and I you you've got to be thinking that Bruce Pearl's asking himself the same question: Can we shoot the basketball? It's certainly confusing that Auburn. It was a glaring need off last year's team. Besides Jabari Smith, there was nobody who you could say you could go to for a three point shot. You knew Jabari was going out the door, and that has not been addressed with this roster. Well, even even last year and the year before that, I I, I, I do my betting, so I mm-hmm. I don't play for Auburn to win. I play for Auburn to have to win by this or, or don't lose by that. <laughs> you play you usually, play for Auburn to cover. I understand. Right, and usually for the past couple of years, it, it's a lot harder because you know I've had some days where Auburn wins, but I don't. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I try to stay positive. And it's not enough to ruin my life, but it still stinks. But um, <laughs> I, I've just been listening to the news today, and it's just. Humanity is funny. We're like, oh, Auburn's terrible, and I mean, we 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 haven't been that great, even with our best teams, um, for a couple years. I mean, last year with Georgia and Missouri, I lost a ton of money on those games. We barely won, yeah, and could have very easily not won. Um, so, I mean, I'm not saying that to make us feel any better, but the, the panic is almost funny. Where you know, basketball, it's so streaky where there's a couple times. Oh, for sure. Especially when Coach first couple of years, we couldn't, you know, it looked horrible. And then at the end, we just went on a 10, 14-game winning streak. So, mm-hmm. I mean, they do have to come together. They have to gel. They definitely were not with it. And they definitely have to win these next two games. Yeah. Um, or we'll just be a better mediocre team, which is fine. But we need we need better than that after this damn football season. But, right, um, right. Oh, I'm with you, man. And look, and here's the thing, right? I've I've heard people, and when you know we or other people are talking about this Auburn program, this Auburn team right now, it's okay. Let's take a step back. I think we're extremely spoiled with what Auburn used to be versus what we are now, and what and with Bruce Pearl and everything. But which I think is all fair. It's a fair statement. But here's the thing. When Bruce Pearl has now done what he's done at Auburn, he has now set expectations, right? And those expectations, they've got to be met, which is why he's such a good coach. That's why there's money being put into this program. And it's okay for us to sit here and say, 
and be thankful for Bruce Pearl and be excited that Auburn is still a top 20 team and has still just one loss on the season. But it's also okay for us to sit here and say, look, this team's got talent, but they've got some things they need to change. I said it about last year's team coming into February and March where I said, there's a lot of talent here, but they've been having the same problems and they haven't addressed it and it's going to come back and bite them in March. And sure enough, it did, right, Andy? So it's okay for us to be thankful and excited to watch Auburn basketball be what they are, but it's also okay for us to sit here and say they've got some problems that need to be addressed. Do we lose you, Andy? Yeah, we may have. We may have lost it. Hey, if you're, if we appreciate you calling in, Andy, talking about uh, about Auburn and uh, uh, maybe some of your for fun uh, gambling with <laughs> Auburn. Uh, speaking of that, you couldn't. I wouldn't. No, with Auburn, with the total wise. I wouldn't touch that. I don't know about the spread or anything, but with just the total, because you just don't know what this team's going to do offensively, right? You don't know how many te- how many points this team is going to what score. Was, what was the the? I think it was one thirty nine last night. It was low. Like it, it was low last night. So, and, I mean, you could almost con- besides the the Memphis game and maybe the Colgate game and the mm-hmm. Bradley game. I would say they've pretty consistently gone under here we go okay so on espn the line was 19 and a half i knew auburn was favored by 19 and a half to 20 at somewhere one point in there it was at 21 yeah at one point it was yeah and the over under was 134 and a half so it was even lower than i thought it was i think that so here's the question a low total for the auburn game right is this a testament to auburn's lockdown defense or auburn's poor offense both absolutely both i mean if you keep looking at the the adjusted offense rating that Auburn has in in Ken Palm, it's going down and down mm-hmm. and down each game. I mean, yesterday they were 49th. Today they're 53rd. They went slightly down in defense, also by the way, to 10th, which is why they've dropped to 21 in the Ken Palm. Mm-hmm. But I like this this team. It's at some point because let's 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 call a spade a spade with this conference schedule to this point. Some of these teams are going to be good G5 teams. Yeah. But they're still G5 teams. They're teams that Auburn has been heavily favored in, and Auburn at times has struggled mightily. Especially in the first half in several of these games, uh, you've seen that take place. I mean, we saw that happen last year slow starts in the first half and have to be a second half team. Where I will differ from, from Andy's point about previous Auburn teams have looked bad at certain points, like the Final Four team. The Final Four team, it was rocky for a while. It was. The month of but, February was not good for that but team. But you'd seen everybody on that team perform. The year before, they won the, the regular season. They won the conference. You'd seen them perform. So you knew that it was in there. Right. These guys right now on the roster – you haven't seen them consistently perform at any point where it's just them, game in, game out. Like yeah. where, where Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler are not covering up weaknesses. Right. Let's get to a break because I do want to keep addressing this. We've got a phone call. We'll get to that. We're talking Auburn basketball here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Let's get to the phone lines here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, 334-321-1390. Ed, we appreciate you holding on through the break. You're on the line. Ed. Hey, uh, hey there he is. 
Hey, uh, yeah, I thought y'all said you had somebody for me, but I appreciate. No, you got in. You got in first, Ed. So what you got? What's on your mind, man? Uh, okay, on on basketball. Uh huh. And, and I, I want. I, I guess I've got to preface this by saying I'm the biggest Bruce Pearl fan in the world. Mm-hmm. I think Auburn basketball is on a good path. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I, I see no reason for any panic or anything like this. But you know, the other day I, in articles, you know, I read where that. Jasper had went to Janai and said, hey, you need to let these young kids know, you know, or you need to address the talk to people and help me out with getting people to take things seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I, I agree 100% with kind of how y'all are putting this. And this is not a Bruce Pearl thing. It, it, there are some kids that are on the team right now that, and I wouldn't, you know, and this is totally, this is, un, you know, I know some people that know, but this is just my opinion. This is nothing to back this up. Mm-hmm. But it wouldn't surprise me if uh, Katie Johnson's absence didn't have something to do with him and get fed up with guys just kind of going through the motions. And Bruce Pearl calls it, you know, accountability. And, you know, and but what, what it is, is... I mean, there is a lack of days ago. There is no intensity about this team, you know, other than, you know, just a couple of players. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, I don't, this nothing to do with, hey, Bruce Pearl's a bad coach, uh, uh, Auburn's in trouble, or this. Uh, it's just that there are some players on this team that are not taking things seriously. And, uh, I mean, that, Bruce is telling us that. That's not my opinion. Yeah, of right. And the other players are telling us that. You yeah, know? And, and, what, and that it's so uncharacteristic of a Bruce Pearl team, right? And that's what that's why right. we sit here. It's a little confusing. And, and to be honest with you, Ed, it is a little worrying to me because we yeah. know how good of a coach Bruce Pearl is and we know how much he gets out of his guys year in and year out. So, yeah. Guys, not you know being bought in or taking it seriously or putting the effort in or whatever the case may be, that is what's a little surprising to me. Something something I found extremely interesting. I listened to Stephen Pearl's interview with the uh, Next Round this morning. He was talking specifically about Chance Westry in the summer, and I guess after the the Israel trip, every he said every coach on on the staff had him graded out as the best player on the team. And then he talked about how, to me, I, I, I think that the injury to Chance Westry has affected his confidence. It has set him back. Uh, yeah. Something similar might be going on with, with Yoan Treor. I don't, I don't know anything about an injury. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying their confidence right now, I think those are your two guys that they were relying on to be difference makers. And right yeah. now they look lost out there on the court to me. Yeah, they do. And, you know, I'm not going to demean any of them, but, I mean, if the coach – I used to play basketball, and listen, if the coach would have – oh, good Lord, if he'd given me the green light to shoot, uh, you know, if, if I would have been open because, I, I, you know, I was small, skinny in high school. Yeah. Not sitting a bang, but, but I could shoot from outside. I, I, oh, good Lord, I'd you know – 
for him to be begging, it's like we've got a bunch of Ben Simmonses, and I'm not saying that at all, but that's just what comes to mind. Right, so, yeah. Let's, it, let's have fun and play and, and, and do well because I'm going to tell you, they might think that they've got all this money and, uh, you know, the NIL and, the, hey, I've got a, I've got my ticket. Mm-hmm. But the, the, the NBA scouts, they're not dummies. And, no. And if, you try, if you're trying to just float through a year and then thinking – because what you did in high school is going to get you some big bucks in the NBA, you better think again. You're right about that, Ed. You are absolutely right. Man, we're we're about a minute away from a break, so we appreciate your call, man. It's always good to hear from you. All right, Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas to you as well, Ed. That is Ed joining us. We've got Terry on the line. We're going to get to him after the break, give him plenty of time to say whatever he needs to say. I'm sure he's got a thought or two about Auburn basketball. But, no, Ed's absolutely right on his final point right there. When it comes to NBA scouts, man, even if you're on – even guys that are on top 10, top five teams, like they look at you specifically and they know what they're looking for. Like you're not like he's right. You're not going to float through and and just make it to the NBA, Which is – No shot. I would say the 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 closest we've seen to that uh, recently is JD Davison at Alabama, somebody who had a nice. wildly <laughs> underwhelming freshman nice. year and still got drafted. Yeah, what, the first round. Yeah, w- w- was he back into the first round, guy? I think so. I thought I think he was too. But Ed's right. I mean, they know what they're doing, man, and he's right. He's made- See, it's confusing because you because all you heard about all offseason was how scouts were drooling over Yoan Traor, and you just, it has not translated yet. It better. It better quickly. Let's get to a break. We'll talk more basketball with Terry when we come back here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 minutes into hour number one here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird, with you on ESPN 106.7. We got to get to the phone lines. Terry is a trooper. He has held on through uh, quite a few minutes. So, Terry, welcome in. You're on the line, man. We do appreciate your patience. Always a pleasure, guys. We appreciate Um, that. Well, I don't know which one of you guys said this, but you're spot on. They better give Trey Donaldson more minutes or they're going to lose him. Yeah. Yes, that has been me. I've been preaching it for weeks, Terry, especially in the Memphis game when he didn't play. He got in some points last night, and Carter said he only scored five, but they felt like a big five points last night. Oh, yeah. I'm with him on that. Trey Donaldson, he better play, because if not, I I, I mean, if he doesn't play, I know he's he's not going to be your starter, but he needs some development. Bound, yep, he doesn't. you're right about that. If he doesn't play, you may see him leave. Yeah, and I, I don't know about you guys, but I've said this a number of times on the show, and some people agree with me, some people disagree with me, but I'm tired of watching Wendell Green playing one-on-one basketball in his driveway. I'm so with you, man. Yep. I, and it's not even one-on-one, It's not even one on one, Terry. It's one-on-three, one-on-four. Like, it's, it's... Yeah, and, and, and not, and this is his fault because the guys are standing around not helping create, and that bothers me too, so I'm not going to put it all on Wendell Green. But he does, he does become kind of a ball hog at times. It's like he's trying to make the ESPN top ten every night. Yeah, and you know, I don't know if it's fully him or if it's Bruce Pearl's offense because, and, and again, this may go back into the the 
the effort question, right? Or the the care question. If if guys are bought in, I don't know, man. I, I really don't. And Terry, you're 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 preaching to the choir here. You're saying everything I've been saying for a while is the offense is very, very vanilla, right? It's it's just very basic in my opinion. And it leaves guys like Wendell Green or KD Johnson to go one on three with five seconds left on the shot clock and throw something up and try to get fouled or hope it goes in. And I just I don't understand why that's the game plan or why we believe as Auburn that that's just going to work. I don't understand. I, I really, truly don't. I don't believe it's Bruce Pearl's offense. I, I don't think his offense calls for a guy to give up 25 or 26 point, 25 or 26 point foot shots. Yeah, I mean... He's seen shots that just aren't makeable. But the problem is, too, when you watch the offense, like you said, everybody's just standing there. There's no movement to it. And surely if That's the play... That's what exhausts me, the, the possessions where there's... It's very, very stagnant. It's right. You know what it's almost like? It's It was... There's possessions that Auburn has that remind me of James Harden, Houston Rockets yes. basketball. Yes, where where there's exactly no right. movement and correct. it's all like ISO. He and brought the ball across half out. court and it was and just him. Yeah, maybe there's a screen in the last like ten seconds. Maybe that's but, what Auburn does. That's about that's about all it is. They run a like high sometimes. ball screen and then they're just hope it works. And and here's the thing though, Terry is. If the offense called for more movement and guys to be making back cuts and set screens and run other ways, wouldn't Bruce Pearl be losing his mind that nobody's doing that? You would hope so. I I miss the days of like the Final Four team and and the year before that. Bryce Brown ran a back cut three or four times a game and got a few wide open looks at the rim. Granted, one time he uh, the year before the final Final Four team, he got a little greedy because he was feeling hot, and he go he went up for a uh, uh, he really took the ball back going up for a dunk against uh, the your your Celtic center. You from Texas A and M, the Celtic center, Jacob. I'm looking right at you. Wait, well, I'm, say that again. The guy who was at Texas A and M, who was the Celtic center, the giant guy. Right now, yes, he didn't oh play God. at A and M. Yes, yes, he did. No, he didn't. Robert Williams. Robert Williams played at Texas A&M. I thought he played at Texas A&M. I swear he played at Texas A&M. I don't remember. (laughs) No, hold on. He did not play at A&M. Robert Williams played at Texas A&M. I found it right here. But, yes, Bryce got got a little Well, that's why I didn't answer, because I didn't think he played at A&M. He he got got a little greedy. He went back for a dunk, and he hurt his shoulder, and he was never the same shooter the rest of that season. He got it back the next year. But but those back cuts, that was good for seven, eight, ten points a game for Auburn. Uh, right. Those two years, and that's not even that doesn't exist in the offense right now. No, and that, that's what that's bothering. Let me let me get on to my second point, and 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 Jacob, you you alluded to this a little bit earlier. I want y'all thoughts. This I am sick and tired of watching Allen Flanagan get twenty three minutes a game, score six points. Yeah, uh, that, that, look, you talk about the guys had an injury, has never recovered from it. I don't think Allen Green's ever recovered. Allen Flanagan's ever recovered from his injury. I don't I think really he's. Don't. I don't think he's ever recovered physically or mentally. To be honest with right. you, I mean, I think the confidence has been shaken, and I think his physicality is not where it used to be. And look, he used to be a really good athlete. I never thought that he was a top first round draft pick like they were projecting him to be. But credit to them that he was at a time maybe in their eyes. I didn't think so, but he hurts this team. I'm just going to be honest with you. He does. Oh, but he and could give you 14 points and 10 rebounds. He could. Yeah, and he does that every now and then. Every one in five, six games, he will do that. But the other games that he's on the floor and the other times that he's in, those things don't happen, and I think there's got to be somebody else to replace him 
to to be and, ha- and be more productive in my mind. So I, I I don't know. I really don't. It's almost I, like Bruce Pearl's trying to force the chemistry there, and it's right. not there. Right. I just I, I don't know. Alan Flanagan, his time is up. He's look. I kind of I kind of liken this to the kicker at Auburn. We appreciate the hard work and the effort, but it's just not there anymore. It's just not. And, yeah. And great great guy, great kid, done everything for Auburn. Loves Auburn. Auburn loves him. He's worked really hard, but let him get over there and serve Gatorade or water. I mean that that's that because I mean start playing some of these guys because if they don't play somebody like Trey Donaldson, they're going to lose him. And there's some other guys on that roster too. They're going to lose. I'm with you about Trey Donaldson, but some of these guys have just got to play better too. I mean Donaldson I mean, when he plays got to play I, good, and, and right, you know what Trey Orr right and Westry. Right now, Terry, you're, I, I don't think you're. I don't think you're seeing a lot out of out of when you go down the roster past uh, past Wendell, KD, past Trey Donaldson. You're not seeing a ton of production. I mean, Chris Moore is this year. Is this junior year? or Is this senior year for him? It might be senior, senior year. year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, like you're gonna have to re- replace a lot of guys one way or the other on this roster going forward next year. Well, guys like uh, Trey, guys like Trey Orr and Broom, they start playing like guys that are that big, not like a bunch of cupcakes. They need to play I mean, to their I, size. I, I, I'm 100 percent agree with that. Like it's it's baffling to me to watch Trey Orr. Like he just looks like a fish out of water. He just he looks no part of his game right now looks comfortable. Right. Guys, I appreciate it. Y'all take care. Yeah, appreciate, appreciate it, Terry. it, Terry. That is Terry joining us here on On the Line. We appreciate him calling in. We'd love to hear from you at 334-321-1390. If you have more basketball you'd like to talk about, uh, we're going to get into some football here in just a minute. We'd love to hear from you again. 334-321-1390. You really threw me off at the Robert Williams question because I I just didn't think you, he played at a and me nothing there. Oh, I, I was dead stare. You were just yep, 100%. the blankest stare ever yep. when I said Celtic Center. And you literally, yeah, well, I was thinking, and you said A&M, <laughs> and I was like, wait, who played at a And I just totally didn't even know he played at A&M. So, yeah, you got me. I, I had no idea. That's why I didn't answer. I was like, Cause, I cause don't know. I, I, I could see his face was, was drawing a blank on the name, <laughs> and then it finally clicked for me, and I was able to get it out there. Yeah, was, well, That was yeah. a great moment of our radio career right there. Yeah, we'll submit that one for an <laughs> Abbey Award or something, huh? Well, again, we'd love to hear from you, 334-321-1390. Before we get into football, again, just – with this Auburn team, I don't want to sound like just the the Debbie Downer, the negative Nancy, whatever you want to call it, because there's a lot of talent on this team, and Bruce Pearl's a great coach. Bruce is going to figure out a way to make them competitive, but I don't know if this team is ever going to be considered great right. or really good unless, in the SEC. Unless some guys take a big step in the next couple of months. I don't like the guys who came back. If they haven't taken that step right now, exactly. that significant step, I don't know where it's going to look, going to come from. Like is well, it's going to come is from Wendell, the new guys. Is Wendell Green going to all of a sudden start hitting 36% from deep? No. And and be a 20-point-a-game guy? I don't think so. And that's the is, thing is... Is I don't, Katie Johnson all of a sudden going to be really efficient? We haven't seen that in a long time. Right. But, like, un, un, it has to come from Yoan and Chance. It has to. It has to come from Yoan, Chance, and Trey Donaldson. It well, has well, to. Well, Trey, Trey, I think, is giving you everything he's got. He's just going to get more minutes, which is going to be good. Yes, but I also, I mean, to an extent, and I think Trey's going to be a great four-year player at Auburn. I think right now the ceiling's a little low on freshman freshman year Trey. I think he's only going to be so good. And honestly, he's been really good in the minutes he's played so far this yeah. year. I mean, he had one dumb foul last night, but that's going to happen when you're a true freshman in, in college basketball. But you can't get zeros out of chance and you'll want. Mm-hmm. That's unacceptable. Those, I mean, 
Yoan is the second highest rated recruit in Auburn history. And right now, he just he looks like a brand new baby born giraffe <laughs> trying to figure out his, his his footing out there. And and here's the thing too, is it, it sounds like we're going real hard on these guys, and we kind of are, right? We are. And nobody is expecting Trejo, and nobody expected this for him to come in and be dropping 20 points a game, right? We are 10 games into this season. Nobody expects him to just be the leading scorer, the guy taking over ball games and, and just doing all that. But we expected a lot more than what we're seeing. Somewhere I mean, in I between mean, that and what we're seeing right now is where he should be right now. I, I like at this point, I don't feel like it's unreal. Like the starting point of where Isaac Okoro was when he started his freshman year. He was a good player. Like, like he he would give you like seven, eight points, play some good defense, mm-hmm. and then he started to figure out over the course of the year what he could do. We're at a point right now where it feels like it just has not clicked for the young guys at all. It has not clicked. And honestly, statistically, I know Jani Broom's games look decent on paper, they don't impress me that much when I watch them live. They really mm. don't because I, I don't feel like he's physical enough down low. I, I feel like at, at times he struggles with big men that want to give him uh, a hard time down low, and he's going to see those guys in the SEC. Yeah. He's going to see Oscar Sheway, and I shudder to think about that matchup. He's going to see Colin Castleton, and, and Castleton's really good. In we, like two we, weeks. We saw what Castleton did. To Walker Kessler last year. Defensive player he, of the year. And if he did it to Walker Kessler, I'm worried about what he's going to do to to Jani Broom. Yeah, I'm with you. Look, there's a lot of talent on this team. Bruce is a great coach, but there's a lot of things that need to be fixed. And again, we are blessed and thankful that we can sit here and actually talk about Auburn basketball and actually have some things to be upset about with a top 20 team who's only lost one game. I get that. But again... Bruce Pearl has come to Auburn and he has now set standards at Auburn and to his standards and what he has done at Auburn this team is not hitting it and I promise you if things do not change if the things that we have sat here and talked about for the first 45 minutes of this show if they don't change and things don't get better this team is going to lose multiple multiple games in the SEC there'll be a low seed in March Madness and they will not make it to the Sweet 16 I'm just going to go ahead and tell you that right now if things don't change that's how this is going to go not saying it can't happen but that's how this is going to go Mm. I saw it last year and I'm seeing it again this year let's get to an early break we'll come back start talking a little football before we get into hour number two we'd love to hear from you anything on your mind give us a call 334-321-1390 some Auburn football talk when we come back here on the Thursday edition of on the line you are on the line on ESPN 1067 Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Welcome back into the Thursday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 1067. We've got a few minutes before we wrap up our number one. Been a lot of basketball talk here in the first hour. We will talk a lot of football in hour number two, but let's go ahead and get into a little bit of it. The news of today, uh, the One of the coaches on Auburn staff no longer with Auburn. Christian Robinson, the linebackers coach, has been relieved of his duties. He is no longer at Auburn. Your thoughts about uh, Christian Robinson being let go? Um, 
I think Christian Robinson is a good coach. I think he is extremely well connected in recruiting circles. Um, I truly am baffled how it just didn't seem to work out at Auburn at all. Because of the defensive position groups, I think you basically hear everybody say this past year that the linebackers were the worst group. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I would I would say so. I mean, I mean it's one of the groups we've been talking about there for the were last se- week and there, a half. There were several bright spots on uh, on the back end. You had Colby Wood and Derek Hall, Marcus Harris, Jason Jones on the D-line. Mm-hmm. There are bright spots there. I don't think maybe the last couple games of Owen Papo, the last couple yeah, games he got better. Maybe. But, I mean, we haven't seen peak Owen Papo since that what sophomore year playing next to Zacoby? Yeah, when when they were when they were when they were tearing about, it up. They were about the best duo of mm-hmm. linebackers in the SEC that year, and we have and injuries and all that and coaching changes. Papo was never quite that guy again, right? Um, I think that there was a period in time, and this is just complete gut take here, because of how quickly you saw Hugh Freeze lock in Cadillac Williams. And this kind of state of limbo that Zach Etheridge and Christian Robinson were in, I think there was a little bit of a tryout period there where it was like, okay, you here is an opportunity for you to interview on the job, to to show your worth. And you saw Zach Etheridge out. Zach Etheridge is doing daggum work. Yeah. DBs aren't even don't even feel like a position of need really in this class, and it feels like there is just an army of dudes that want to come play at Auburn. Yeah, at look Auburn at the right name. Now. I mean, look, Auburn could benefit, no doubt. I mean, I mean, Auburn's in it for Kay and Lee, Braden Marshall. Uh, you 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 flipped uh, Colton Hood. Tony Mitchell is a name that's being talked about. There's countless dudes out there right now. C.J. Johnson's a new one. There are dudes that are popping up left and right. Zach Etheridge has been extremely. Um, critical in the recruitment of Quay Russo and James Smith. And every, every time they go visit them in Montgomery and every time they go by Madhouse training in Montgomery, Zach Etheridge is, is in those pictures. Zach Etheridge is indispensable because of how he recruits mm-hmm. and how active he is in so many of these kids' recruitments. Christian Robinson's there. You don't hear about him being as vital and you know that, what, because we've talked about this, positions of need for Auburn in 2023 are the offensive line, defensive line, and linebackers. Those are the top three. There's not a linebacker committed to Auburn right now, and that is a tough look for Christian Robinson. So I'm not surprised. And I, and I, and when I, when I say I'm baffled by how it didn't work out, because I think Christian Robinson's a really good coach. I agree. I think that... Some of this can be excused by the last coaching staff. I think he was handcuffed because you look at what Will Friend did. Who, who maybe, maybe Will Friend was the most handcuffed coach of all time under Brian Harson. Maybe because the offensive line got way better after Brian Harson and Eric Keysaw left. Linebackers, they got better once Brian Harson left. So I wonder how much he was truly handcuffed. I think that that. He got a he got dealt a tough hand here. That's and fair. And it didn't work out. But I thought for sure that it was going to be better than what it was. Yeah. 
Because I, because he's what? Uh, he's on the 35 under 35 list for assistant coaches in college football. He's a good coach. For whatever reason, it did not translate to Auburn. I'm not shocked by this. And I think the fact that had he reeled in, or at least put Auburn in a position to land two or three linebackers, whether it be on signing day or in the portal, in this transition period, we'd be talking about Christian Robinson still being on staff. Yeah, he'd probably still but, be here. But still, like, there's no there's no buzz right now about who Auburn could potentially land at linebacker, and Auburn needs two, three guys at least. Yeah. Which is really scary to not have anybody lined up that like is like Stan, Stan concrete. Quan, Stan Quan Clark, the transfer, was was one of the names. Well, he's trending away. There's the the Arkansas commit in the state of Alabama. I think it's either Alex Samford or Stanford. He's trending away. But like these are guys that like you gotta make an impact on the trail. You you, you gotta reel somebody in, and he just didn't. And, yeah. And it's unfortunate. I think he's a good coach. I think he's going to do extremely well wherever he ends up. He'll land somewhere. But somehow, he just did not translate at Auburn. And credit to to Hugh Freeze for maybe seeing that, right? And being like, look, man, you're a good guy. You seem to have everything right. It just didn't work here. And he's moving on. And so now we've seen where Auburn has two position groups that they've need to fill at coach wide receiver coach is still up in the air there's some there's some smoke and some noise going on with that that Auburn may have a a big recruiter lined up in that spot but names have been uh at a minimum and if it's going to be like any other coaching hire we've seen in this cycle for Auburn it'll be somebody that we've haven't even considered for the job so that's still open now the linebackers is open so there's a couple of spots that Hugh Freeze still has to fill with a week to go until signing day I don't think he'll fill them before then I just think or he might but I think I don't I, think that's the concern right now I think the the favorite right now for the linebackers job or or that open spot on staff I think it'll be outside linebackers edges is Aldridge the the linebackers coach at um at Liberty. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm trying to find his name. Here it here it is. It's uh Josh Ald- Josh Aldridge. And then we we can talk more about that here yeah. in a second. Oh but, yeah, for but, sure. But that's the the name to kind of watch for right now. Hour number one is officially in the books. Don't you worry. A whole lot more of Auburn football talk in hour number two. Plus, we'll talk to Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast. All coming up here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. The following is an Auburn Network production. Live on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. 
You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Thursday, December 15th, 2022. Hope you're all doing well on this sunny, beautiful uh, Thursday afternoon here in the Auburn Opelika area. The sun is shining. It's got a little bit of chill in the air, which is perfect for me. Uh, again, wearing shorts today, so I'm, I'm loving the weather. So hopefully you're all doing well after the rain last night. Hopefully you all stayed safe. Uh, if you went to the game last night to Auburn basketball, you saw the Tigers get a win over Georgia State. Hopefully you stayed dry on the way in and on the way out. But again, hope you're all doing well on this Thursday afternoon. Hour number one is officially in the books. You know what that means hour number two is officially underway right here on ESPN 106.7 for on the line if you missed any of the first hour uh, lots of Auburn basketball talk uh, with Auburn's win over Georgia State last night we talked a lot about that and what Auburn needs to do uh, to fix the problems they've got going on right now uh, they did win but it ain't pretty right now for Auburn basketball so if you missed yeah. any of that we we ended the hour with some football we're going to get into a lot more of that here in hour number two but if you missed it in the first hour you can find the podcast at ESPNAU.com click on the podcast center and you can find it all right there or you can just search uh, on the line wherever you get your podcast. It's commercial-free right after the show, so be sure you go and do that catch-up if you missed any of hour number one. But here in the second hour, lots of Auburn football talk here in the first couple of segments. Uh, at 3.30, we'll get to Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast. He'll join us and talk about all things in the Southeastern Conference football and basketball with, uh, with the early signing day coming up next week with the transfer portal being wide open like it is in basketball season inching closer to sec place we'll talk to chris gordy again host of the locked on sec podcast like we do every thursday in about 30 minutes or so but until then phone lines are open if you'd like to call in and give us your thoughts on auburn basketball last night auburn football up to this point with recruiting transfer portal coaching hires coaching fires all that good stuff we'd love to hear from you 334-321-1390 that number again 334-321-1390 and Carter, there's a lot to talk about with Auburn football right now. There's obviously we we ended our number one talking about Christian Robinson uh, being let go as the linebackers coach, and now Auburn has the wide receiver coach to fill, the linebacker coach to fill. There's recruits that are going to be here this weekend. There's still transfer portal guys that are going to be here this weekend. There's a lot going on between now and next Wednesday with signing day, and then in the next couple of weeks with the transfer portal. Oh yeah, I mean it's going to be an exciting time for sure. Um, a lot of movement because uh, Auburn still has two two position coach spots that they have to fully, I guess, settle. Mm-hmm. Which right now it looks like for that, as we were ending hour number one, it looks like Josh Aldridge is the favorite to be on the staff in the Christian Robinson role, and so I think that that would make a lot of sense to to bring him from Liberty. Uh, a defensive front seven that's mm-hmm. been really, really, really good. Right. Um, Let me ask you this about uh, sidestepping from position coaches a little bit. We're a couple of days into the f- official announcement about and knowledge of uh, the offensive and defensive coordinators for Auburn being hired, being official. Has your mind changed at all? You had good things to say about both, so I'm not saying you weren't a, you weren't with them, but. Has your thinking about them adjusted at all? Do you still feel pretty good about those two hires as a couple of days into it? I know they haven't done a lot since they've been here. They've only been here a couple of days, but... 
I feel really good about both of them still because I I think that that the plan is clear. The plan with both of them is to to get really really good X and O schematic coordinators in place that can essentially be the head coach of the offense and head and the head coach of the defense. And Phil Montgomery was just a head coach at Tulsa. Uh, Ron Roberts has been a head coach at the college level as well. You let them handle each side of the ball. It frees you, frees up to go all in on re- recruiting. To Now he can, I mean, if you've got a big-name recruit out there, he can pull a Kirby Smart, and he mm-hmm. can basically run point on a kid, which doesn't happen very often at the college <laughs> game. Right. And he's also going to be involved in the, in the offense, I have no doubt, because Hugh Freeze has his own system, and I think the – the marriage of Hugh Freeze's system and Phil Montgomery's system can create a truly lethal offense. I think the run game in Phil Montgomery's offense, uh, the quarterback development that he has had, along with the quarterback development of Hugh Freeze and the passing game of Hugh Freeze's offense, if you bring all that together, your this offense can be really fun really quickly at Auburn. And what a... What a great way to get their tenure started if they were able to pull the biggest name in the transfer portal right now in Grayson McCall, the quarterback from Coastal Carolina. He will be on campus this weekend, uh, obviously, as a transfer portal visit. This would just be huge if Auburn could somehow land Grayson McCall, which, I mean, I think there's interest, obviously, since Auburn wanted him on a visit and he's coming for a visit, right? But what a great way for them to get started if they pull Grayson McCall, A, to have a day one starter as soon as he arrives on campus, a a veteran guy who knows what he's doing at the college level, but also, we've talked about this as well, gives you time to develop Robbie Ashford. Yes, yes, I think that is key. That is, (laughs) there have been some takes I've seen thrown around by some people in the Auburn fan base about, well, why why would Auburn need Grayson McCall? Because the the quarterback room has all the tools that you could want. And what? while yes, I think Robbie Ashford has a lot of tools that you would like, they're not refined. They're not sharpened to the point that they need to be to to be that lethal co- combination that he can be in a Hugh Freeze offense. He needs time to get healthy. He needs time to develop. Under then, Hugh, he needs time to develop under Hugh Freeze. Yes. Also, TJ Finley's not going to be on this roster next year. I'm. Yeah. Yeah. That's Zach all I got to say. Calzada's already yeah. out the door. That leaves you with Holden Gurner, and nobody can tell me they know anything about what he's going to be at the college level. The dude played like seven snaps this year. One and of his passes was backwards. I was about to say none of them were good. <laughs> unfortunately, he got thrown in the fire every time. Yeah. But no, I, I'm with you, man. And and but, yes. So what? My, basically, my point is. You need a guy like Grayson McCall. And not only is it big to get him to allow Robbie Ashford to develop, to allow Holden Gurner to, to, to develop further, if he's going to stay at Auburn, which, I mean, he was probably a little bit more of a fit in the system that Harson wanted to run, the Hugh Freeze's system. So, I mean, I think that that'll be something to keep an eye on. I think Grayson McCall is a catalyst in this transfer portal class you're trying to to land if you land Grayson McCall you're going to start to land offensive linemen you're going to start to land wide receivers you're going to probably land uh Rivaldo Fairweather the the tight end who you already lead for 
It might even impact the defensive side of the portal as well. Could. Because he is a lightning rod, catalyst type of guy that can generate a lot of excitement around Auburn football. Here's my simple take on it. If a guy with his talent level wants to come play at your school, why in the world would you say no? Like, why would you turn that down? Even if you've got a guy in the position who you... Even if you... If Robbie Ashford was... Five times better than he was, which I think he can be in, a, in in the future. He can be a really, really good quarterback. Well, let's say he was already there. And this Grayson McCall kid who is lighting up defenses and who is fantastic throwing the football, if he wants to come play for you, that's only going to help. It's not going to hurt anything. Do you know what his interception percentage is? For I, I, know, I know how many he threw, and it wasn't very many. He threw eight interceptions. Yep. His interception percentage is 1.018%. Do you know how insane that is? The great, like, granted, it's the NFL level comparing it to college level. The greatest NFL quarterback in interception percentage is what? Aaron Rodgers at 1.4%? Mm-hmm. Grayson McCall's throwing a pick on 1% of his passes. Which is ridiculous. I don't care what level you're playing at. I don't care if you're playing peewee ball. That's good. Like, if you're throwing that many passes, that is insane. 78 passing touchdowns to 8 interceptions on 780 attempts. That's ridiculous. That's so unbelievable. Every 10 attempts, he's throwing a touchdown pass, and every almost 100 attempts, he's throwing a pick? Yeah, decent. <laughs> <laughs> Kidding. That's unbelievable. And again, if this guy wants to play at Auburn and there's a spot for him to play, you do not turn that down. And I think, I don't really know why you would not want him to come. I haven't seen that argument too much. I've seen it a little bit. Don't get me wrong. Robbie Ashford is going to be a good quarterback, but he is not He is not ready to be the starter in 2023. I'll tell you this. I bet you there's a lot of overlap in the why do you need to go get Grayson McCall when Robbie Ashford is there. There's a lot of overlap in the Venn diagram of that yeah. and the you should just hire Cadillac Williams as head coach crowd. Could be. The middle of that Venn diagram is probably rather large. I thought you were going to go the route of, well, you've got Jarquez Hunter. Why would you need to go get another running back? That's no, where I well, thought no, you no, were no. going to go. You, you have to go get a, another I back, agree. Regardless. I agree. Which, which I believe, uh, I'm drawing a blank on his last name, but the, the, the Mississippi State running back, is it Dylan Johnson? Uh, I think he, yes, is Dylan Johnson. He's on campus this weekend for a visit. Oh, the one that hit the portal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's he's going to be on campus this weekend, I believe. I think Rara Thomas, mm-hmm. the Mississippi State receiver, is going to be on campus this weekend. Uh, this all the same weekend that Grayson McCall's on campus. Let's if the Grayson McCall domino were to fall, and you also have a couple junior college offensive linemen that potentially could be leaning Auburn's way. Mm-hmm. If you land a couple more offensive linemen, if you land Grayson McCall. Do other dominoes on the offense start falling quickly thereafter? Because you, you would think so. You also have Deontay Thompson, the big 6'5 speedster, speedster receiver that went to Oregon. You have the Oregon connection with all of the Oregon transfers on Auburn's roster currently. <laughs> yeah, Why the, not the, add another the one? The funnel that runs from Eugene to Auburn. Yeah, yeah. Who knew that... that it was actually, hey, it was actually a, a trade. It was Bo Nix for Jason Jones, DJ James, and Robbie Ashford, and player to be named later, Deontay Thompson. 
who won the trade? <laughs> I don't know. But here's my take on this weekend. And and look, this is a huge weekend, right? We're going to talk about it today. Obviously, talk about it tomorrow. Hopefully, and I was talking to you about this earlier, Carter. Hopefully, Tuesday, I'm going to text Christian and try to get him in here. Christian Clemente of Auburn 247, obviously the recruiting guru that he is. We'd love to get him on and talk about the weekend and talk about signing day on Wednesday. No guarantees, no promises, so don't come don't come knocking and burning the building down if we can't make it happen. But I am going to try and get him in here uh, to talk about all this. But this is a big, big weekend for Hugh Freeze and this coaching staff. Last weekend was a big one. This weekend is even bigger. Uh, and here's my take on this, Carter, is – I think for this weekend, of all the guys that are going to be here, recruiting, transfer portal, I think it's going to go one of two ways. Because there's potential for Auburn to get some massive names and big numbers from guys coming this weekend and really jump up the recruiting rankings and jump up in your transfer portal rankings. I don't even know if that's officially a thing or not. But uh, uh, but. I think that this weekend for Auburn and all of the guys that are going to be on campus – Auburn is either going to go and get and have a huge weekend and get a lot of these guys or they're going to miss and not get a lot of them. I don't know if there's going to be a middle ground where they get a decent number, but they miss very well could. But my take on this is I think Auburn gets almost all of the guys that they're looking for or they miss out on a lot of them where they think they had momentum and then they just miss out on it. So that's sort of my take on this, but could be I could be extremely wrong. I mean, Auburn may may come into this weekend and come out of this weekend and get a decent number but not hit them all, but still feel okay about it. Very well could happen. I just think that I think that Auburn I think they have a really good chance to to hit a lot of these guys, whether it's recruiting or transfer portal or both. I just think Auburn has a really good chance to make a good impression, and hopefully I think if one domino falls like Carter was talking about, I think multiple dominoes will fall rather than just hitting a singular player here or there. So that's sort of my take on it. We'll see how it goes. Phone lines are open. We'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. We'll get to a break. We'll come back, talk more Auburn football before we get to Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast. All that coming up here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. On the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Back inside the studio here at ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. Got a few minutes before we get to the phone lines for Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast. We'll talk to him at 3.30. So phone lines are still open. If you'd like to join the show, we'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. And uh, something that we have not mentioned yet is somebody in the transfer portal from Auburn that pulled their name from the transfer portal and is returning another one yeah is returning to Auburn which again if a guy hits the transfer portal it's something we made sure to tell everybody is just because they hit the transfer portal doesn't mean that they are leaving Auburn right or doesn't mean they're leaving their school right they could go in the portal see what their options are and decide if they want to come back or not Zykevious Walker has done that for Auburn. He put his name in the portal, and he has now removed his name from the transfer portal. So big news for Auburn depth-wise on the defense. Oh, and and I'll be honest with you. I think Zeke Walker's a good player. As a true freshman at Auburn, on a Rodney Garner defensive line, he got extensive run. 
He was in in the rotation in every game. They said basically he was going to be the next Marlon Davidson. His role, he got banged up his second year, I know, under Nick Nick Eason. And then I know that last year, um, uh, injuries again, maybe did not, um, wasn't the right fit with Harson and Jimmy Brumball, which is why he left the team, why he entered the, the, the transfer portal. And here he is now. Here he is coming back to Auburn under this new staff, under Jeremy Garrett, who I think is a very good defensive line coach as well. You look at the production he got at Liberty. Mm-hmm. I think he can be a very good player. And I think he's there's a path to him to, to potentially start this next season. Yeah, and good for him, right? I mean, he's coming back and giving Auburn, realistically giving Auburn another chance and giving a new coaching staff a chance to see what they could do. And I'm sure that they sat down and had conversations with him, right? I mean, he hit the portal and they were like, hey, like, here's what we think you can do. So obviously there must be some mutual agreement and and mutual understanding that for him to come back to Auburn, he feels that he's going to be a significant part of this team and they feel, and Auburn feels that he will be a significant part of this team. So hopefully that is the case. And I, I'm with you, man. I think he can be a really good player. Oh yeah, absolutely. And uh, I believe he has a little brother who is a great player in the 25 class. If I if I recall correctly, I feel like you're right about that. You can look it up, though. I feel like you're right, but no. Again, so reminder that when players enter the portal, they can go back to their school of choice if the school accepts them. Right? I mean, technically, if the guy enters the portal, the school's like, wait a minute, now I don't think so. You you didn't want to be here, so I don't know if we want to really retain you, right? Yeah. So little brother right now is the number three player in the 2025 class. Hey oh. So, hey, it's probably not the worst. Same thing. position, I assume. Linebacker, linebacker, L- okay. linebacker, edge, kind of. Okay. So, so, kind of. Yeah, um, kind of. I mean, he's he's a good bit smaller right now because he's a junior in high school. He's right or a sophomore, sophomore in high school, yeah, yeah. sophomore. But I mean, he's six two 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 twenty. Zeke's a good bit bigger than that because he's a yeah. That's gonna be so a, small. <laughs> he's going to be a fourth year D end edge yeah. at at Auburn. Right. Well, again, talking about uh, Zykevis Walker, who removed his name from the transfer portal, and we were getting into just all of the names that are going to be on campus this weekend, and with signing day being next Wednesday, excited to see what that day is going to look like for Auburn. Uh, there's, I, I was telling them while you were uh, on, you know, answering phones and stuff over there, that I believe that there's a good chance that Auburn either hits hits it out of the park and does really, really well. Or maybe underperforms. I don't know. And I, mm-hmm. again, I could be wrong, but my prediction is if that one or two dominoes fall, a lot of them are going to fall, or maybe they just get one or two pieces of the puzzle and not the whole thing. I don't know if there will be a middle ground or not. I could be wrong, right? Absolutely could be wrong. That's just my feeling and how the momentum is building right now. We've seen this in the past where Auburn feels really, really good coming into signing day and then they sort of drop off. But we've also seen where Auburn does really well on signing day, too. So I think it's going to be boom or bust for Auburn on signing day. By the way, uh, Zeke Walker also has another brother who's a four-star in the junior class right now. Oh, okay. What's his projection right now? Uh, So Zayden right now, his his highest projection is Florida State at Mm 29.5%, then Florida. Uh Jalewis Solomon is the other brother. Um, projected Georgia, then Florida. 
Okay. Interesting. Auburn's running fourth in that one in the prediction at 6.3%. But you actually have a staff that probably is aware that he exists. Walker has two brothers. Yeah, they, yeah. <laughs> at least knows a, they that are there is were a born. family co- connection there. Yeah, literally. And we joke about that, but I that's legit. Like, it's oh. real. There are recruits in the Brian Harson tenure. There is there are recruits that I know for a fact wanted to be say an orthopedic surgeon and came on their last visit right before signing day last year and had not heard the name Dr. James Andrews once in the entire cl- cycle. Jeez, and we we are talking three days before signing day is the first time they they heard the name Dr. James Andrews. Yeah, people of this area that, know, that, that they, the, know the they know they know what we're talking thing, about. As soon as you figure out, hey, he wants to be an orthopedic surgeon. It should be the first thing yeah. that is said. That's right. Well, I think we're going to see a lot better performance on the recruiting trail. We're already seeing it effort-wise. I'm excited for signing day. It is coming, right? And then you've got the transfer portal guys as well. We talked a lot of Grayson McCall. There's other guys in the portal as well. Auburn's looking at offensive linemen in the transfer portal, looking at defensive linemen possibly. We know that it's the two lines of scrimmage, offensive, defensive, linebackers. Then I would say maybe receivers, right, is maybe that fourth spot that Auburn's got to go for in recruiting slash transfer portal. Uh, So there's – it's unfortunate that Auburn's in this spot where we have to name off five, six, even seven position groups that Auburn needs help in recruiting a transfer portal, but that's just where this thing's been left over the last three or four years, man, right? I mean, it's just that's what's happened with Auburn football is you have multiple, multiple, multiple positions that desperately need help. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is – I'm excited about the future. It may not be everything that we have uh, – this class, like it may not be the best case scenario right now with because it's such a short timetable for Hugh Freeze. But the effort, the way that he's climbed into um the way he's climbed into the conversation for so many different guys in a short amount of time, the ground that he's made up in the recruitments of Quay Rousseau, James Smith, Kay and Lee, um, Keldrick Falk, all of those guys. They may not come to Auburn. Right. But give Hugh Freeze a full cycle, some of those guys would come to Auburn. He'll start winning those battles. In 24 and 25, some of these names are going to be on Auburn's campus. Give Hugh Freeze time. I think he can start to win some of those battles with some of these bigger names against these bigger programs. Let's get to our break. When we come back, we'll have Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast, joining us on the other side. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 more minutes here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika sports leader. Welcoming in our Thursday guest at 3.30. He joins us every week here on the show. Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast. Chris, always good to have you on, man. We know there's a lot going on uh, with football right now. We'll get into basketball a little bit later. But as we are under a week away from 
not even early signing day it's just signing day at this point with the late signing day being in February what is your uh, what are your thoughts and what are you hearing about what signing day could look like for some programs around the SEC come Wednesday you know, I mean, I think I think a lot of the legwork is done, as you know. Um, you know, what's so interesting is you, you you said it right. You know, it's we still call it the the early signing period, but it's really is it's it's special signing day. I mean, we when you're signing seventy to eighty five percent of your class, yeah, this is this is national signing day. And you know what what one of the stats I saw today? It's so interesting. You know, we had dozens and dozens of coaching jobs openings here in the last couple of weeks with firings you know mm-hmm. there's only one of, of all like the major programs there's only one job that's still open right now that's navy because they just fired ken nui matalola or he retired or stepped away whatever wording they wanted to use but he just coached last weekend army navy game uh that's the only job that's open every other job has been filled and what's crazy about that is think back to years past we, you know we've gone into january with with you know, head coaching searches still going on and all this. So it's a different day and age. And what it screams is we've got to win on, on signing day. And, you know, UNLV jumped into Barry Odom very quickly. Um, you know, even Mississippi State, you know, and it's unfortunate as the untimely passing of Mike Leach. Uh, you know, Mike Leach has, has the, the heart attack on Sunday. And, you know, within the next couple of days, the news comes out that he passes on. And yesterday on Wednesday, we find out Zach Arnett, not only was he named the interim coach, he's now the, the full-time head coach mm-hmm. for the next four years. And the reasoning for that is, you know, he was, um, you know, when, when they named him the interim head coach, when we go into signing day next week, it's one thing for him to call kids and go, well, look, I'm the interim head coach. Come play at Mississippi State. I don't know if I'll be here in a year to, hey, I am the absolute head coach here at Mississippi State. I'm here for at least the next three, four years. Let's do this. Come play for me. There, there's a lot to be said about that. Um, you know, there's some people made a stink of different coaches leaving their teams before the bowl game. Look, this is where we are in college football. Mm-hmm. You have to leave uh, before the bowl game because you got to go get started on recruiting. If you don't like it, then tell them to push signing day back to February where it used to be. So, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be interesting. Look, Hugh Freeze is doing a good job from what I could tell, getting the ground running. Uh, a handful of kids in here these last couple weeks, and they still got more work to do. Um, you know, and the good news is they got a lot of four stars. So keep getting those four stars. Maybe mm-hmm. you can find a five star, sway him from somewhere. But uh, I like what Hugh Freeze is doing so far. Yeah, Chris, you you were talking about how I guess the timeline for college football has changed here in recent years. I mean, just think back two years ago, Brian Harson was was hired on December twenty second in twenty twenty. You can't do that in modern college football now with signing day being on the twenty first. You'd be way too late to the party, and you'd set your program back an entire cycle. Yeah, and and it's unfortunately, you know, I heard people last year were crushing Brian Kelly. He's leaving Notre Dame. He doesn't even know if he's going to make the playoff. And it was like, dude, he's got to hit the ground running with, with his signing class at LSU. And what nobody will revisit and talk about, guess who one of the biggest, you know, guys he was able to swing in that last week, on you know, his first week on the job at LSU, Harold Perkins. Harold Perkins was going to Texas A&M. He swung him to LSU, and he ended up being one of LSU's best, if not their best, defensive player this year. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to talk about those things because they're uncomfortable, because it's, it's not a pretty picture. Oh, you left your team. You didn't coach the bowl game. Well, look, it's not because he hates the kids. It's not because he hates his old school. It's that he has to go get started on the new job and hit the ground running with recruiting. So you don't like it, then they need to push the recruiting day back. 
Um, you know, when, they, when we first talked about this, the early signing period, you know what it was supposed to be? It was supposed to be kids that grew up in Auburn, Opelika, and just, you know, I grew up my whole, you know, childhood, 17 years loving Auburn, and I know I knew from day one I wanted to go to Auburn, and that's where I'm going. That's what the early signing period was for. It was for right. those kids that went, look, I've already made up my decision. I know where I'm going. I don't care who the coach is. I don't care what's going on. I want to be an Auburn Tiger. And that's what the early signing period was supposed to be. And instead, it's just it's turned into, well, come on, I need this recruitment now. Hey, come on, I need this letter of intent now. And it's just turned into, it's it's just National Signing Day. It's just earlier, and uh, the timing of it just throws a lot of stuff off. Speaking with Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast. He joins us every Thursday here on the show. It's crazy how the game has changed, right? And this is all just happening in the last couple of years, and we're fortunate enough to be watching it happen. It's history being unfolded in front of our eyes. But as that signing day approaches in just six days, who are who are one or two programs in your mind in the SEC that could could maybe use a nice day on signing day and maybe a team or two that you think may flop compared to what they usually do? Well, what's interesting, so we know we know Alabama, Georgia, and LSU are going to be great. Um, you know, Alabama and Georgia are always, you know, top top two or three. Uh, LSU is usually always top five. I know they just got a four-star corner this afternoon that's bumped them up. I think 24-7 Sports has them three now. They'll be somewhere around that top five. Uh, what's strange is A&M is a little slow to get going this year compared to where they were a year ago. You know, signing the number one recruiting class last year. Well, you know, we talked to uh, some folks in the know, and they said that some of those kids that got those promises of, yeah, we're going to give you a million dollars, come play at A&M, that maybe A&M didn't follow through with it, or they got there and they told the kids, yeah, yeah, no, but that's broken up over four years, and we're only going to give you this much now, and if you stay, you'll get this and that. And a lot of broken promises with a lot of these kids, and so they're not, A&M's not having the big uh, groundswell that they had like they did a year ago. They're doing fine. They're getting some kids, but um, to answer your question, I mean, I think I think Ole Miss needs to needs to finish strong. Lane Kiffin did a good job of hitting the portal last year, but I think he's got to get back to getting a lot of the the, the homegrown talent and a lot of the three and four star kids uh, from the state of Mississippi to come back there. You know, Quinchon Judkins, their best offensive player, was a three star you know running back a year ago, and, and look at how much he's meant to their team. But yeah. basically, everybody else, it feels like we're transfer portal guys. So. I think Ole Miss has to finish strong. I think Sam Pittman needs to finish strong. They've had a bad finish to the season and kind of into the offseason. They lost a lot of kids in the transfer portal. They're, um, you know, they lose their best tight end. Trey Knox is running off to to, to Arkansas. They lose their tight end coach uh, in Loggins, who's going to go be the OC at South Carolina. So there's a lot of negativity kind of surrounding Arkansas so far in the last couple of weeks, and. I think a lot of their fans are just looking for something positive, and if they can have a good national signing day, I think that would go a long way. Um, outside of that, I mean, Tennessee's going to be strong. They got Nico uh, Yamaleva, the the quarterback that you know, basically, I don't know if you believe the rumors out there, kids getting anywhere from seven to eight million dollars in NIL deals. So he he, I don't know if he'll start next year for uh, ahead of Joe Milton following Hendon Hooker, but the the thought is he's the future quarterback for the Vols, and they're all excited about him. Um, but yeah, outside of that, I know Billy Billy Napier's uh, trying to put together a strong class at Florida because you know that that was his forte. Uh, what most people knew him for was being a good recruiter. So uh, when you got twenty plus kids in the transfer portal leaving, you're going to have to rack up and fill those spots with with uh, with recruits and and try to build a roster. So big off season for Billy Napier as well. And 
by the way, we'll see his team on Saturday. I don't know what they're going to look like with Jack Miller at quarterback, but it's going to be a it's going to be a shell of what the Florida Gators look like this year. Chris, with Auburn, depending on where you look, which site, the team rankings, I guess they range anywhere from like 31 to 50. Uh, with Hugh Freeze kind of on a short recruiting window here to to piece together a, uh, a class that only had like 11 or 12 commits when he first came on board here at Auburn, what are realistic expectations for, for this class for Auburn? Is it top 25, top 20, top 15? How high can Hugh Freeze get this Auburn class? Well, I know this. You don't want to finish dead last in the SEC. And I think uh, 24-7 sports, as of this morning when I checked, I think they had them behind Vanderbilt, which is kind of stupid because they have more they have more four-star recruits than Vandy, but Vandy's got a whole lot of three-stars. So, I don't know, somehow with the, the metrics of the 24-7 sports, they rank up ahead of Auburn. But I was like, that's silly, whatever. Um, I don't know if I get caught up in saying, oh, they, they got to be top, you know, if they could finish 40th or 30th. I don't, I don't know if I get caught up in that. I would just look at – Let's have some kids that can that can actually contribute and play. You know, if it's a three star, if it's a four star, I don't care who it is. But um, you know, all the pieces you lose, uh, particularly on the defensive line, particularly trying to rebuild that offensive line. I, I would look at some kids that can just come in and compete from from the get go, and um, and that's what I would be looking at, looking at. I, I don't know if there's you know if you if you could swing a kid in the final moments, get a kid that was committed somewhere else, uh, you know, but get him bought into an NIL deal, great. But, I mean, I just like some of the kids they've had the last couple of weeks. Colton Hood, I watched a little bit of his film. Looks like he could be a player. So, I don't know if I would get wrapped up in the rankings just yet. I mean, this it was the same thing I was talking to LSU and Florida fans a year ago. They were talking about, oh, how can, you know, can, can Brian Kelly get in here and, and really hit the ground running? And it was like, look, it's, it's tough to do that having been on the job for just two weeks. So, I would say the laying the groundwork for next year, uh, this transfer portal has really opened up a lot of stuff. I would say Hugh Freeze is going to uh, is going to make an, more of an impact on the 2023 Auburn team through the transfer portal than he will with any kid he's going to sign by next Wednesday. Well, Chris, speaking of the transfer portal and making an impact for the 2023 team, how about one of the biggest, if not the biggest name in the transfer portal, Grayson McCall? He'll be on campus this weekend for Auburn. What are you hearing about the chances that maybe him and Auburn have a uh, have a relationship ahead of themselves? Yeah, I told you guys, I'm pretty sure I said it on the show a week or two ago, that you know, as much as I liked what I saw out of Robbie Ashford down the stretch of the season, and I love this quote about you know the dream come true getting Hugh Freeze there, I said, you know, pump the brakes on thinking that he's just a lock to be Auburn starter next year. I, I said it. They're going to bring in a transfer quarterback, whether he likes it or not. And lo and behold, that's a really good one that could come in and play from day one. Uh, you know, I hate to keep comparing it to LSU, but, but LSU was in the same boat a year ago at this time. LSU fans were saying, oh, it's going to be Miles Brennan, Miles Brennan. And, you know, lo and behold, they bring in Jaden Daniels from Arizona State. Everybody's going, well, that's weird. Why would he come here? He's not going to start. And Jaden Daniels comes in, he wins that starting job. So, um, look, it's nothing against Robbie Ashford, but if you can bring in somebody that could push Ashford and make him better and, and Ashford goes out and wins the job, then all the better for Auburn next year. So, I love it. I think the kid, it's uh, you know, who's very productive in his time out there, and uh, you know, it would make a lot of sense. And and it, it, you're just starting to see scratching of the surface of kids that are going to be excited about this. Not only play, getting to play for Hugh Freeze, but the staff that he's building from Phil Montgomery to all the different pieces they're starting to fill in there. Um, yeah, there's some excitement out there for kids who want to come play there. Chris, kind of shifting gears to more of a 
re- reflective point of view this week. We obviously, you mentioned it earlier, we lost uh, a true na- national treasure and legend around the game of college football and Mike Leach. Uh, what did you see out of, I guess, the impact that he made in the game of college football, uh, the effects that his his legacy is going to leave, and I guess the, the outpouring of thoughts and supports and stories that we saw from really coast to coast around college football. What did all that say to you about Mike Leach and who he was as, as a person? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's – I, I said this since Sunday. You know, you can go look around all the different guys that were in his coaching trees, uh, all the different – you know, from Lincoln Riley to Sonny Cumbie to Sonny Dykes, all these different guys that have coached for him, played for him, whatever, and they've turned into big-time coaches at the college level. Uh, the, the one thing that everybody is going to remember and what everybody was sharing on social media is all the antics, you know, the, the, the post-game interviews, Mike Leach on wedding advice, Mike Leach on Halloween candy. And, you know, all that stuff is great, and it's, and it's worth being remembered for. But what, what we're overlooking is the, the impact on the football field. You know, I had some people telling me, and nobody remembers the, the early 2000s when he goes to Texas Tech, but the Big 12 was, was a lot like the SEC at the time. There was a lot of grounded pound running the football, mm-hmm. you know, hard, hardcore defenses, and Mike Leach goes to Texas Tech, and that all shifts. He says, no, we're going to throw the ball 50 times a game, and we're going to, you know, score a bunch of points to try to make you outscore us. And, uh, you know, that's where we started to get all the high-flying offenses. Oklahoma State started doing it. Oklahoma, you know, Texas to a certain degree started doing it. I mean, we started to see all these – you know, and then, then that became a stereotype. Oh, it's a Big 12 game. It's 54 to 49. You know, that's where it came from. But it started with Mike Leach and, and this uh, air raid offense that he brought. He said, we're not going to run the ball. We're going to throw it a million times and make you try to stop us. And what I think is so crazy, you know, when you look at some of these modern-day play callers like Sean Payton, um, you know, Andy Reid, the guys that I, I call it the Denny's menu. When you see them calling plays on the sideline, they got this big old thing, and it's like yep. a million plays on there. If you ever saw Mike Leach on the sideline, you know he had basically a sticky note in his left palm with six plays on it. And it was, we're going to run this play to the left, we're going to run this play to the right. All right, we're going to run this one short, we're going to run this one long. I mean, it was literally just concepts, um, and and that's what the offense was. And it was predicated and said, okay, we're going to keep running this until you can stop us. And uh, just just an innovator and a guy who really took that that how mummy system to another level and um, to me, that's what I, w- I hope he's most remembered for. Again, all the other stuff is great. You know, his thoughts on Bigfoot and all that is hilarious. <laughs> right. And, you know, you'll be, you'll be laughing for days watching those YouTube videos for years to come. But uh, I think for, for, for a guy that, I mean, you think of the three places he was at, Texas Tech, Washington State, and, and Starkville, Mississippi State, and was able to win there. That says so much more about him as a head coach. And, and the ultimate what-if, guys, I think back to a couple of years ago, the Tennessee Vols wanted to hire him. And that was when they were having that whole upset with the, the school president and the athletic director and all this transition and everything, and it got vetoed. But Mike Leach had basically verbally accepted the Tennessee job. What if Mike Leach had become the Tennessee head coach? What would, the, what would things be like in Knoxville right now? I, I have to think it, it would have been exciting, and would it have worked? I mean, would, he, would Mike Leach be winning 10 games a year at Tennessee right now? Would Kirby Smart not be doing the same thing he's doing at Georgia? I just wonder what the fallout would have been there had that happened, had he landed a big-time job, because you know, of all the places he was at, he never landed that big, marquee, you know, top-ten program-type job. But mm-hmm. 
you have to respect what he did at the three places he was at and, and made them into consistent winners. No doubt about it. Well, Chris, we appreciate your time. As always, that's Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast. Let everybody know where they can keep up with you and everything you're doing, man. Yeah, just search Locked On SEC wherever you get your podcasts. We're on YouTube now. and uh, Our episode today, catching up with our buddy Josh Neighbors, who does Locked On Big 12, talking about SEC expansion and uh, Texas and Oklahoma. Down and more and more like this thing is going to happen in 2024. So get ready to enjoy your last regular uh, season of uh, – of the SEC as we know it, guys, because I think in 2024, Oklahoma and Texas are coming over. Well, it should be exciting, man. You do great work. We appreciate your time, man. Have a great weekend. All right. Thanks, guys. That is Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast. He joins us every Thursday here on the show. Had great things to say about Auburn and, of course, Mike Leach, which has been the story all week long. Let's get to our final break. We'll come back, wrap up the Thursday edition of On the Line here on ESPN 1067. On the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Wrapping up the Thursday edition of On the Line, big thank you to Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast. He joins us every Thursday here on the show. Uh, we appreciate him and his time every single week. Had lots to say about the uh, recruiting day coming up on, or signing day, I should say, coming up on Wednesday, uh, the transfer portal, his thoughts on Grayson McCall, and uh, obviously his thoughts about uh, Mike Leach as well. So always fun talking to Chris Gordy. He's always got a lot of things and great things to say as well. So we appreciate him him and his time every single week but Carter we've got a few minutes left before uh, we get out of here and it, it really just the conversation today has been obviously that first hour was a lot of basketball but then the second hour it's been heavy football with recruiting transfer portal that's going to be the talk until signing day on Wednesday and and we asked Chris right you asked him the question how high can Auburn get in recruiting and he said not to worry about the ranking he said just go out and get some guys yeah, yeah. I mean, I, and I get what he's saying. I mean, this class just off recruits doesn't have to be top fifteen. As much as we've been talking about, it has the potential to be if they if Auburn hits on a Quay Russo, on a James Smith, on a Tony Mitchell, Kay and Lee, Keldrick Falk, those guys. If Auburn hits on those guys, we're talking about a top fifteen class. But you can fill in the transfer portal which we, we always knew was going to be a heavy part of this class. You can go get guys who can be instant impact guys next year. You need guys that can play because you need it on the offensive line, you need it on the defensive line, you need a linebacker, you need a guy or two at receiver. <laughs> you got to have a running back. You, I mean, you can go down the list. The you, list goes you, on you and on, unfortunately. Almost you need a quarterback, you, you need a DB maybe. I mean, everything. You need... One one or two of everything, it seems like. Uh, some you need four or five. But um, you need depth. You need instant impact. And I think I think Auburn can get that done. It's just a uh, matter, matter of time to see how it all falls. And I think Wednesday we're going to have a better view of, of what the picture looks like, just how heavy the portal class is going to be. Uh, but we may not know until... Uh, we may not know what this roster is going to look like until May. 
Yeah, it very well could be. It absolutely could be. Well, we know Wednesday's a big day. Between now and then, we're going to continue to preview it, talk about it. This weekend is massive for Auburn with all of the guys, recruits and transfer portal guys that are going to be on campus this weekend. We'll talk about the magnitude of it tomorrow, but we're out of time. Come back 2 to 4 p.m. right here on ESPN 106.7. We'll have the Friday edition of On the Line tomorrow. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.